Chapter 14 Verona Decal, that night, 2353 Commander Shima boards my small vessel while I sit at the helm. I motion him to the seat on my right and he sits immediately fastening his seatbelt before looking curiously around. This airship is so compact, he ventures. So, this is your first time on a Bosch vessel? I am busy with preparations for takeoff, but always happy to discuss one of my favorite subjects. Of what? A vessel? The commander seems perplexed at the nomenclature. Can't say I blame him. I was as confused when I first arrived in Bosch. We are pirates, commander. Our original vessels sailed the seas. These vessels sail the sky and can take off and land both on dry land and water. If you look on the hull of all Bosch vessels, you can see where we have kept a tribute to the sails of the past. And certainly not all our vessels are so small, but I like the maneuverability and stealth that a small vessel provides. Also, I can create adaptations and modifications on the smaller vessels that they won't let me do on the larger ones. I give him a sidelong look and a wink. I had noticed his eyes in Teddy's office, but I now take in his whole face. The jaw is strong and his cheekbones are fairly high. I like how the front of his hair looks the tiniest bit tussled. I am surprised at myself for the little heart and stomach flutter it gives me to look at him. I have put that part of my life in a box, but hey, I guess I can peek into the box now and again. I'm not dead. He nods and smiles a dashing smile and looks at me just a hair longer than what would be expected. Interesting. Tell me about yourself, Commander. I've never been to Edo, but I've read about it. Is it true that it hasn't changed since the old Earth days? I run a series of tests through the vessel's navigation system. Oh, Edo is wonderful. Beautiful vistas and towering mountains. I grew up in a small village at the base of one of those mountains. Edo's culture and history have indeed remained intact from before the Great Flooding, though the climate shift and the associated pandemics and plagues did require adjustments. Such as? I checked the batteries and the extra fuel cells. Well, it is a group of islands, and as such, we have always been seafaring people. But many of the old cities flooded during the great flooding of the 22nd century, just as they did around the planet. But what the Edoans did was to develop huge ships, essentially floating cities that cruise near the islands. People commute to the remaining land in small flying ships, though none as small as this airship. Vessel, I correct him automatically. Seriously? He seems disinclined to call it by its proper name. I give him my best deadpan look. You want me to fly you, Commander? Then it's a vessel. The Commander looks at me with a sparkle of what I'm guessing is mischief in his eyes, then smiles and nods. This vessel, then. I laugh as I slide into the pilot seat and take off for Decal. Hold on, I fly real fucking fast. I enjoy the look of shock on his handsome face as I swear and make a note to swear more around him. About a bell into the journey that would take other pilots three, but I can make in two. My modifications are really quite marvelous. I ask Takai, who I've ceased referring to as commander about a quarter bell into the flight, why is Ito part of the FA? It doesn't seem from what you've told me that Ito needs anything from them. Takai pauses, seeming to consider the question very seriously. As you know, Cat... I had insisted he knock off the corporal shit early on as well, and I like hearing him say my name. Shit, close that box, cat. 
The FA, the Federal Alliance of Nations, includes many, if not most, of the known civilized nations of New Earth. So my question to you is, why not ally yourself to the most powerful group on the planet? I know my answer to that. Because then they can intervene in your independence. I couldn't stomach that. I shake my head. Well, it was FA support and financing that made it possible for Edo to develop the ships that can sail independently for years. We can now explore places that have not been mapped since the Great Flooding. And we can reach out to find isolated civilizations that have been cut off for the past 300 years. Takai's voice is enthusiastic. Then his tone shifts as he looks at me with a raised eyebrow and says, And I suspect you Bosch are more concerned about your glitter trade than what you view as independence. I laugh. It isn't our fault you non-Bosch are so fucking obsessed with glitter for your brains. We don't need it. We prefer our natural adrenaline rush. I disregard the times in the past I have ridden the glitter train. Takai chuckles. He seems less shocked and more amused by my language now. I'll have to find some other way to shock him. I do love a challenge. He turns his seat to face me and leans toward me, which makes my heart speed up a little. How very convenient that your people happen to settle on the one place on the planet that glitter can be mined, and how generous of you all to share it for a significant price, even where it is illegal. Now it is Takai's turn to flash me a deadpan look. I can't help but laugh. We Bosch are generous to a fault, and certainly glitter pays the bills, but it is missions like these, where you and everyone else wants the experts in the skills of flying, fighting, and shooting that really stack up the markers. And I do mean stack them up. The air is warm and moist and somewhat oppressive here in Dakal. The vessel is well hidden at the edge of the jungle, and we move through the thick vegetation with the aid of my machete. It doesn't take long to come upon the backside of the property, where we will find our target. So they are weirdly holding him on the fucking grounds of the palace in the country house. We are approaching a wrought iron fence sandwiched between two tall thorny hedges. Takai looks at me. How do you know that? Details, Takai, I grin. Even if you don't have them, I have other sources. I have my extraction garb on, all black including gloves and a hair covering, and I've smudged my face with black to prevent lights from reflecting off my pale skin. Even my machete blade, which has yet to return to its place in my trusty sling bag, is black. I like being able to get in, get done, and get out, having never been seen. I check my watch. Guard will be by in five, then we can push on. I begin to clear-cut a section of hedge on this side of the fence. Once at the fence, I reach through and cut about halfway through to the other side, my hands and arms feeling sharp pricks even through my sleeves and gloves. Fucking thorns. That is my mantra for this part of the mission. I look up at the two-and-a-half-meter fence and Takai leans down to give me a boost up. Adorable. I smile at him, squat, jump, and pull myself up and over the top with the spikes just grazing my belly landing on my feet in the small, cleared space on the opposite side. You're next, I whisper, grinning wickedly through the fence. I wonder if this counts as flirting. He surveys the fence and clambers over, not nearly as elegantly as I had, and his landing contains a stumble. I smile. Points out for style, but you made it. Now quick review. What's the most important rule? He sighs since I've made him repeat this rule at least a dozen times since he boarded. Don't get you killed. Good man. I cut a very low and small passage through the rest of the hedge, hoping the hole won't be very visible from the grounds. 
and then skirt the hedge and run to an outbuilding's shadow. As I make my way to the brightly lit country house with dozens of windows and a fair amount of balconies, Takai follows and I'm impressed he can keep up. We stand staring up at the enormous house. He could be anywhere in there, Takai ventures sounding discouraged, or they could be right there. I point at a window on the third floor where a young, clearly a Doan man holds a young woman with long dark hair in his arms, protectively, as they seem to be speaking quietly with each other. Either he's a bit of a rake or that's the daughter. Are Doans known for their rakishness? Why are they together if he's awaiting execution? My first question was meant as a dig, my second one was rhetorical. I know Takai has no idea why they're still together either. I leave Takai to consider the questions as I spy a trellis of vines on the side of the house that will take me almost to the second floor. When I'm about six meters above the ground, I reach into my vest and pull out a handful of small rocks. I look down to see Takai looking up at me with confusion. He may get to sail to exotic places, but I don't think he knows how to have fun. This is fun. I take aim at the window where we had seen the couple and start lobbing pebbles at it. Seriously? Takai loudly whispers. I look down at him, grin, shrug, and toss another. Sometimes the simplest ways work best. My faith in simplicity is rewarded as the window lock rattles and the young black-haired man peers out at me. Howdy, I loud whisper in standard Fed's language. I brought a countryman for you to hobnob with, and I gesture to Takai. Takai and the young man, who apparently is named Taro Konya, converse in Edenese for a brief moment. I hear my name and the word Bosch, and see Takai gesture to me. I figure this is my cue to wave. The two Adoans speak a bit longer, and then I see Takai close his eyes. We need to get a move on if we are getting out of here clean, so I tell Taro. I'm tossing a rope to you. You can tie it off and shimmy down to me. Takai breaks in with a sigh. He won't leave without. Here he pauses and I look down at him. Without Jewel, who he says is his lawful bride and wishes to return with him to Edo. Are you fucking kidding me? Is the only thought I have. But as I can't say it without shouting, I elect for silence. I believe the message is conveyed. I take two deep breaths and hiss from my vantage point on the trellis. Well, now this is a detail, isn't it? I am disgusted. Okay, so now we have to get fucking Romeo and Juliet out of fucking Verona. Takai shrugs. Nice reference. I like Shakespeare as well. I stare down at him. Great, we'll have lots of time to discuss the plays when we are awaiting our executions after getting caught here. My volume is starting to climb, so I focus back on my task, but not before mouthing to Takai. One rule. While holding my index finger up. He nods and puts an index finger up in response. Tie the rope off, I tell Taro, and I'll come up and help y'all down. He does as I instruct and I climb hand over hand to the third story window. Then I hop to the floor in a squat and begin straightening up. When halfway to standing, my eyes are level with an extremely large, extremely pregnant belly. I look up into the gentle face of a young woman with straight dark hair who smiles at me. I'm guessing you are Jewel. I look back down at her burgeoning belly. Details, fucking details. I stand up fully, sigh, and rub my eyelids. I turn to the Udoan man. Well, we have had quite the busy and productive diplomatic mission, haven't we? Taro shrugs and turns his hands over in a what-are-you-gonna-do move. Somehow he manages to look both abashed and proud. The course of true love never did run smooth. Nope, wrong play. Bet the Capulets are pissed about this. I eye Jewel, who looks so hopeful. 
I can't feel angry at her somehow. I sigh and ponder aloud. Now how the hell am I going to get you over the fence? At the mention of the fence, Tara perks up and speaks with Joel and Dacalise. He then addresses me. There's a gate in the back, somewhat hidden, usually unlocked, though watched. I grin. A gate? Most excellent. This is good news. Then let's get you down to the ground and get you two to Mantua. Taro looks at me with a confused expression. Do people not read anymore? But he shrugs and waits to hear the plan. I pull the sheets off the surprisingly luxurious bed and fashion a bosun's chair, which I tie to the rope from my bag. And together, Taro and I lower Jewel to the ground and to Takai. I then hold the rope steady for Taro, and after he descends, I tie a slipped bunt line with a very long free end, climb down it myself, release the rope, and stow it back in my bag. Never leave any evidence behind. Besides, I love this rope. I had it made special with purple dyed fibers so everyone on base knows it's mine. It's surprising how many supplies get borrowed and simply become a part of someone else's kit. Okay. You three wait in the shadows where you can see the gate and the guard. I'll create a diversion, and then the commander here, still a bit pissed I had reverted to referring to him by rank, will get you through the gate into the vessel. I will meet you there. What sort of diversion? Takai wrinkled his brow. I considered responding with, a fucking big one, but decided to be more diplomatic. The kind that diverts attention from you. I point to the group, and especially to Takai. You focus on getting the young lovers through the gate. You do remember how to get back to the vessel? Of course I do. Perfect then. I give him a beaming smile. I'll see you on the other side. Stay safe and stay alive. I sure as hell hope he knows what he is doing. I'm not used to depending on someone else's judgment during a mission. I slip over to the garden shed. All large ships, vessels, and vehicles are electric now, as are most small machines but I've spent enough time gardening to know that there will always be a few old gasoline-powered machines. And where those are, gas cans are always nearby. And that is my ticket to a big distraction. The shed isn't locked, and I find an old rag and, after a moment, a gas can with some gas in it. And plenty of fumes, I suppress a cough. I twist the rag and stuff it into the spout, tip it to wet the rag, and then stand at the door, light the far tip of the rag and fling it into the shed rolling away at the same time. I am rewarded with a satisfying kaboom and the beautiful orange-red flickers of flame. I close my eyes to reorient to the dark and then glance over toward the gate and see the dark mass of my people moving steadily. Then I see them push into the hedge as two guards scurry past with buckets. Watch out for thorns, Takai. I head to the part of the hedge where we entered and duck under, repeating my jump over the fence, which is not nearly as graceful given the effort my arms have already been through tonight. I'm glad Takai isn't here to see how sloppy my ascent was. I'm on the way to the vessel when I hear voices in front of me. Shit, that's Dockalese, so not my people. I step into the small clearing and see three good-sized fellows. Fortunately, these ones are without weapons. Easy enough. I make as if to run along the perimeter, and the closest one reaches out to me. A quick wheelhouse kick to the jaw stuns him as his buddy comes running up. This one takes a bit longer and gets in a blow to my face, making me angry, which I demonstrate with several body blows to get his hands down before I clock him with an elbow and then pull his head down as my knee comes up to meet it. Hard. Buddy number three seems standoffish. Why didn't you come help your friend? I call. I get some response in Dockalese that includes the hands-up gesture of, I don't want any trouble. Too bad. 
I rush him and he lunges at me, overbalances, and receives a double hand blow to the back of his head. I hear someone else coming from the tree line and turn to take them on, but it turns out to be Takai armed with a weapon. Oh, it's you. How delightful. I can feel my heart beating furiously as I pant, the adrenaline pumping through my system as I lick the blood that trickles from my lip. Let's go home. I duck past him, heading to the vessel as more noises of pursuit come from toward the palace grounds. Takai, once again, follows me. We run through the trampled vegetation at my top pace. As we come upon the vessel, Takai goes in while I pull the chocks out. I hear someone approach and look up to see a palace guard, this one with a weapon that is trained on me. Shit, I yell as the sound of the weapon rings out. But like something out of the old Earth Days movies, I look down and I realize I'm still standing, but the guard is not. He is on the ground writhing and holding his leg. I look up at the cargo hatch and there's Takai, holding a newly fired weapon. You coming? He asks. A very diplomatic shot. I call as I run up the hatch, close it, take my seat and hit the ignition. Pings of ammunition hit the hull. I accelerate low and scatter the guards, then pull back on the yoke and gain altitude, turning and taking it off as fast as I can push it. Made it. Again.